Here we uncover the traditions that are working for successful parents. For the parents who are ready to do things differently but aren't sure how, go to wandahoward.com and download my free blueprint. It will help you create the difference you've been looking for and enable your kids to be emotionally healthy and confident throughout their lives. Now is the time to start doing things differently. Welcome back, everybody, to the Successful Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Wanda Howard. And before I introduce our guest today, I just wanted to show up a little bit raw because I know, especially in the podcast world where you don't always get to see this video, it's hard to know what's happening on the other end. And the reason why this is so important, because parents all the time beat themselves up about how they're showing up, if they're showing up, if they're not. And, and especially when you have little kids, I think especially for the moms, it's easy to feel like I need to get their hair done and we all need to wear nice outfits and we all need to do all these things. But today I'm showing up on the podcast. I've been a little bit sick. And sometimes to take care of myself, I show up by not showing up. I show up in my life by canceling appointments and making sure that I get the rest that I need. But another way that I take care of myself and show up for me is by letting myself show up without makeup in my pajamas and doing the things that I love to do that I was born to do without all the worry of what if, what if, what if, and is this good enough? And so I just wanted to share that with all of you today because this is real life. We are people and that is okay to be human. So with that said, we have an amazing guest for you today. His name is Hirsch Ruffin and he is the owner of Yes Brands. This is an incredible company. He also combines it with comedian, and it is amazing how he takes these complicated, uh, frustrating problems that we come across in our business, and he turns them into effortlessly free, just igniting relationships where we can start enjoying our baby again instead of being stressed about this business and wondering if we're really getting the message that we care about in the right light to the world. So welcome, Hirsch. I'm excited to dive into your story. Thank you, Wanda. That, that and that's great. That was great to hear. That was a great way of putting it. Um, you know, because it is so easy to get uh worked up and stressed out over over either side of our lives, the work life or the family life or the business or the actual baby. And it's it can it can all turn into what it feels like is not what it's meant to be. It's meant to be something that we enjoy and that we get a lot of a lot of happiness and fulfillment out of. So I try to solve problems with a, a sense of humor, even and you know, they they can well be serious problems. But I you know, but we have to have that sense of humor to help it help it all digest, you know? Yep. Yep. And it reminds me of this saying by oh, I cannot think of her first name. I'm I think it's Margie, Margie Hinkley, but she, um, I don't think I got her first name right, but she said, you can either, um, most situations you can either choose to cry about it or laugh about it. And I prefer to laugh. And that yeah. reminds me of your brand so well, because it, these are problems or frustrations that we have that we need to be able to figure out how to solve them, but we don't have to do it in a way that is draining us more of our ability to be creative. So this is going to be fun. So I want to know, first off, what even got you into the branding area of business? Like, why are you passionate about this? Yeah, it's funny. It was it like a lot of things. I, I it was not, never anything I really expected. Although when I look back on my childhood, I I was 
into commercials and advertise things like that. But I always thought more like theater, comedy, acting, writing, those those strictly creative things. And I went to School of Visual Arts in New York to study filmmaking and and uh, screenwriting. And the chairman of the of the school said, have you taken any advertising classes? And I said, no, I'm, you know, why I'm not a good writer. You know, like what a, what a 22 year old would say. And I, and I said, uh, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know that I'm really interested in it. And he said, well, I think you should take a, a class and you have a knack for it. You have a knack for those like quick kind of lines and things like that. I see in your screenwriting. I just think I have a feeling you are organized. Like you have skills that you may not have been planning on using. Yeah. And I took a class and it wasn't that it, it, I thought it was a good class. I was surprised that I liked it because I thought it would be boring, but, um, and it was about advertising production. It wasn't about any creative element, but I, I, I met some people in the class and I ended up getting a job uh, as an assistant to a representative for directors of TV commercials and composers and visual effects artists. And all of a sudden I realized, wow, I I'm closer to these artists in this advertising job than I would be in Hollywood. Like if I were in Hollywood and I worked in the mailroom at an agency or I was writing scripts and sending them in from across the country, like I might not get to see anything really being made. And here I was on the set of, you know, music videos and big commercial Super Bowl commercials and all kinds of things. And I, I realized I, I had a knack for talking about them. Like I, I didn't like selling them, mm -hmm. but I liked, so I didn't want to be an agent, but I started writing the bios for these directors and composers and all of these artists, editors. I started writing newsletters and it just became a career. And, uh, and, the more I did it and the better I got at it and the more people would come to me to do it, the more I realized that I, that it was kind of a special knack that I had. And, um, and eventually I, I got back into stand-up comedy and that was fulfilling because I had kind of let it go to the side a little bit. And, um, and I, I realized I wanted to combine everything and that's how yes brand was born that I just, I wanted a company that married the the fun and the and the immediacy of improv where there's a rule called yes and that you can never say no to your scene partner and i look at the brand as my scene partner so if a brand says hey we're about this i don't say no 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 you should do this i say yes and we can do this and and it's so much fun for them and i and and looking back over my career i realized that having fun has always been like a really big part of my client relationships, playing, play, having laughs and not taking ourselves seriously. <laughs> and that's, that's like why, what kind so rather than even being an actor, what kind of better job would you have than sitting around talking about what matters to you, but being really at ease and having fun. Yeah. And I love too the way that you came about your passion. I feel like so many people feel like they have to just know at their core, this is what I was born to do, but it's okay. Like we all come across it very differently. And I love how you just started realizing that knack and you started combining it with other skills and desires. And it just sort of turned into this amazing business that you're very passionate about. 
Um, I, I'm curious too, where does um, kids fall into the mix of this? At what point of growing your business did you become a father? Well, kids are very funny. So uh, I yes, think it's, <laughs> and oftentimes they will charge far less than uh, than freelance performers. No, uh, <laughs> you know, actually, well, it's it's interesting because I got married very young. I was about, I was about 22 and we had our first child not long after that. And so the responsibilities of parenthood came rather, you know, quickly. And we, you know, and you think when you're younger, you think that you're, you know, you can handle more than you, than you can, or you, you're ready for, you know, we feel mature, which I guess is a form of maturity, but you can't possibly know the, the challenges and the responsibilities and the, uh, the the things that no one even plans will happen, you know, um, uh, you know, when my when my oldest son was three years old, he had uh, something called orbital cellulitis, which is a, an infection that um, that gets into the eye socket and it can oh, be wow. very, very scary. Uh, he came home from the park one day with a with a swollen eye that looked like maybe he got stung by a bee on his eye or something. And as a parent, and, any little thing is like ah! anything, anything. <laughs> right. And, you know, and here this is the first child. And it's like, you know, uh, uh, we had our 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 son already also our, our younger son, but he was a baby. And it was like this was just terrifying. And fortunately, we were in we were in a place where there was really good. Uh, New York Eye and Ear Infirmary in in New York, and um, but and it was something that was you know curable, operable, but required like you know a lot of you know TLC and being in the hospital for fourteen days and oh. uh, just to recover and to what you know, but like you get thrown in the deep end on that kind of thing, and you're like, okay, well, I'm glad at least that I was not a road comic at that point. I was like on the road and, and a, cause, cause the, the reason I didn't pursue standup was because we were having a child and I was like, okay, well I can't go on the road, go do all this stuff, not know how, you know, yeah, have such instability. And it was very, very um, like, I, I, I didn't know that that was the best or right decision career wise. I just knew that I had to impose this limitation that was it. And I made that decision. But when this thing popped up, I think, you know, if you thought it through logically, I could easily have been away when yeah. that happened. And then that and I just wouldn't I just wouldn't have wanted to be away. As it happened, one of the, the one of the surgeons was a, a brother of a of a really good college friend of mine. And it it just kind of like all, all those little things that you can't account for. You know, and you and, you you know, so being there and also with my parents, my parents were always there for us and always put family first. And I just think I absorbed it. I don't think I made like some kind of high minded choice about it. I just think I absorbed it like, oh, I got to yeah. be I got to be here for this particular thing. That's a great analogy of just like absorbing what your parents did. So I want to yeah. ask you what. What was the kind of childhood, the foundation that your parents gave you that enabled you to find so much joy in life and want to bring so much funniness in? Like, was your family constantly teasing each other? What was that like? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it it is funny because so I, I was raised in an Orthodox Jewish household um, and my my mom 
uh, her grandparents were born in the United States and, you know, she was, uh, you know, uh, someone who grew up in America and in, in New York. My dad was born in Germany. He barely escaped the Holocaust. We lost a lot of family in the Holocaust. Uh, his grandparents were all murdered in the Holocaust and a lot of aunts and uncles. And and uh, but he and his his brother and sister and his parents did get out. And um, and so I think there's a there's a certain kind of it's not even a dark humor. Like my dad was just not a dark person at all. He was a very optimistic um, person. But you know that when this stuff happens and he was like four or five years old, um, that you you have to adjust to what life throws at you. And humor is often that thing. Humor is often that that device. Yeah. That's why my other podcast is called Truth Tastes Funny, because it's it's that, you know, the truth is weird. It does taste funny. <laughs> so he was a, a source of tremendous humor and laughter and character voices, all that kind of stand up comedy stuff, but never in a professional context. Like that was not how he thought he <laughs> he went to law school. He became a lawyer. He he was drafted into the into the uh, Korean War. And fortunately, he was sent overseas, but not to Korea. He was ironically sent to Germany. And oh. it was it was a it was he always maintained there was no way that he could have, you know, you don't get to decide where they send you. Yeah. And uh, and he was stationed in Karlsruhe in Germany, which was the town that he was born in. So oh, you can imagine wow. somebody now goes back to the town that they were born in and. It, it, this is post World War II, so now this is 1950, probably 53, and you know the 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 kind of mind bending nature of that yeah. is just is just wild, and um, that's that's insane. It's yeah, like what an incredible incredible gift. I feel like when so much evil rises up in the world and the Holocaust, yeah. just the darkness that that brought that your dad and your family rose up with joy, with laughter, with combating that terrible yeah. side of their story that could have totally overcome them, but enabled well, them to be something to pass down. Yeah. And I do think Wanda that you make a good point because there are a couple ways that can go. And what I also have learned is the trauma, you know, that trauma that, that generations go through is, greatly inherited, not necessarily because of anything anybody does. So yeah. that, you know, it's just, it's just genetic or uh, what they call epigenetic imprinting, yeah. you know, where I totally feel like all that weight, all that grief, all that loss was passed down anyway. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a, for lack of gravity around the situation. It's we're already carrying that and so we need to balance that out yeah. with with something. And um, and so and it was also interesting in that regardless of the fact that my mother had been raised in America and didn't really experience that. She had an incredible sensitivity to it and a, and a kind of intrinsic, you know, she was raised Jewish. She wasn't raised in a 
in an Orthodox environment, a religious environment. My grandfather was a, a career military officer in the United States Army. And, you know, she was an Army brat. Like, you know, like, and I think the combination of this uh, military family on the one side, an American military family, and a, a, a surviving and escaping the Holocaust on the other side was a very really symbiotic kind of blend of yeah. of cultures and experiences and uh and I think though that there was a part of me that gravitated toward comedy as a as a not anything in my in my life but in answer to the the things that you know wars that people had fought in yeah. uh you know my grand my mother's father was in a you know, in a, in a, they were like, he was like in heavy combat, you know, where uh, a missile f flew through the tent that he, that he and his, his, his unit were in and, you know, went out into the, into the mount, into the mountainside. But it was like the idea that you, like, I can't fathom that being yeah. in a, in a tent where, 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 uh, uh, you know, a, a bomb flies through there. So it's like, I think that hearing those stories and, and grasping the gravity of World War II, I think, um, and that was in in World War II also, where, where my my grandfather had that experience. You know, ex being so close to that stuff, you kind of gravitate toward lightening the mood. Yeah. And I think as a parent, that's made me at least as as I matured, much better able to handle some of those heavy things because i i can guarantee you that at at 25 when you know my son's in the hospital for 14 days i probably wasn't seeing a lot of humor or raising or or lightening the mood yeah. you know i probably was just terrified <laughs> well and what a great foundation though to be able to give to everybody this, I think when we go through traumas and hardships and all these things that come into our life, a lot of times we might cross ourselves off as, well, we don't deserve to have fun or we don't know how, or it's just, it feels off to accept yeah. joy, but really it's not only okay, but it's needed and it's totally good. And that enabled you like that relationship with you and your dad can, I can tell that it's a beautiful relationship. And also in those moments of frustration as, as father yourself, it wasn't, it wasn't doom and gloom. It didn't have the power to drag you down because you already had just that very normal, very solidified sense of humor in your life. So that that's incredible. So now yeah. let's jump forward a little bit. Um, you have kids that are out of the house, kids that are home. You just became a grandpa. Congratulations. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, so what, what is it like right now with balancing your business and your family? I know that balance in of itself, it's so funny because we all get it. We all get that balance is not actually possible, but yet that's still the word that we use to describe this symbiotic relationship between our family life and our business life. So what does that look like for you right now? Uh, well, it's, it's evolved again. I go back to this, the, the not knowing what to expect and not knowing how things will, will go, no. you know? So my, my first wife and I divorced after 10 years and 
you know, I really attribute the whole thing to our youth and our kind of, uh, you know, and, and even my in not understanding, you know, what I would need to be a complete adult in terms of my creativity and other things. And, um, and, and so, you know, the way things go, we had three beautiful children together. She's remarried and has two, uh, kids with her husband and I remarried and have two daughters with my wife. And, um, you know, and the way the what happens, as you can imagine, when kids get older, they go where they want to where they want to go. So our daughter lives in Israel with her her husband and they just had their first baby, oh, a girl. Wow. And so, um, yeah, my ex-wife is there now. I'll be there next next month. I'm super excited about going to see my granddaughter. Yeah. <laughs> Big uh, um, trips. <laughs> so you have a unit, uh, you know, a family unit that's in. That's in Israel. I have a, fa uh, you know, my sons are both on the East Coast. Um, they're still single, but they have, you know, their their jobs and careers and lives. And I feel like um, it's just it's I probably talk, I mean, I talked to my one son, Arya, who's 28. He's a jewelry designer in New York. And. I don't feel like I talk to him necessarily. Like I definitely don't talk to him every day. And yet uh, we communicate uh, all of us along with my wife and my 15 year old daughter, we kind of all communicate on a string because on a WhatsApp string, because that helps us be in contact at least a few times a week with the entire group. Yeah. So that nobody has to respond right away. Like we tried that thing where you do, oh, let's do a weekly Zoom call. But, <laughs> you know, people can't you. Yeah. I mean, we try to make our weekly Zoom calls with the masterminds that we're in and all these other things that we do. And it's very it's very challenging. So. So I have a form of communication with each child, I think the two that are at home. Well, the 15 year old the the for that's probably more texting than it is actually seeing her because she's <laughs> she's she's out and about doing all her activities but the 8 year old it's it's in person um you know cuz she's home and then the and then the the boys my one son prefers uh you know using messenger but i talk to him i communicate with him quite a bit and yeah. he's also a writer and um, I try to guide, you know, their careers in terms of being helpful and available in any way I can. Um, and uh, and then and then uh, and then my other son's on, you know, he has a full plate because he's he's not only a jeweler, but he's finishing law school. Wow. And, um, you know, but I, I feel like the idea, the overriding thing that every one of the kids I feel they need to know is this unconditional love and support so that they never hesitate to call. Yeah. Like we can, you know, a lot of parents, it's kind of a typical thing where a parent would say, you never call you, you know, in the Jewish faith, often Fridays, the Sabbath, Friday nights, the Sabbath. So there's a tradition of the kids calling the parents and, and, uh, and, you know, it's funny because my, my sister will, be like upset if they don't if the kids don't call <laughs> and i'm like you can't make them feel guilty about 
not calling. And she's like, the hell I can't. Of course <laughs> I can. Of course I can make them feel guilty. Well, and there's several, several beautiful traditions right in what you just said that I want to make sure that we shine a light on because it's so easy to miss the simple, simple things that are helpful right now in our culture. It is huge. Everybody is well aware that we need to be spending quality time with our kids and that we're making that time. But oftentimes that feels like that is so overwhelming to be like, okay, we got to make sure we do a weekly um, date night with each kid and a weekly this and and make sure we have all these different times set aside. But with what I'm hearing you say, you know what kind of form of co- communication they enjoy and you're utilizing that. Like you said that your 15 year old prefers texting or be- just because she's out and about. And instead of running yourself on a guilt trip or her for communicating that way, you recognize like you are communicating. And also you're like, you mentioned one son, you talk with a lot more and another son, you don't. And instead of comparing the two, you honor the both beautiful different kinds of relationships and communicate with them according to what those relationships actually need instead of demanding that relationships fit into a nice little tidy little box that says, this is what a good relationship looks like. So I just wanted to shine a light on those amazing skills that parents can totally start utilizing right now. You don't have to feel like you have to spend time a certain way or a certain amount of time for it to be quality. So thank you for sharing those. Oh, you're welcome, Wanda. And well said. I mean, you know, the thing the thing that I also want to point out is I would say to parents, you know, um, go easy on yourself in terms of what you feel like. Parents, you know, I think that there's an expectation that we're going to, because we take such joy in the kids, which is not like we can't even take credit for that because that's just a natural, that's the way we're, we're made fortunately, right? That we generally will just get a warm and fuzzy feeling around our kids and we'll be fulfilled by having them around and seeing them thrive. But there are things that they'll want us to do that we won't necessarily want to do in that moment. Like I heard um, Shonda Rhimes, the 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 uh, the TV creator of so many amazing shows. I heard her do a TED talk, and she was saying, "I have a a new rule, which is anytime my daughter says, will you play with me?' I stop what I'm doing and I and I play with her." And she said, "But I want to be like really honest about it. I it's not that I want to play with her. <laughs> like I I am, you know. And I and I made me think, you know, yeah, that's right. We're we're adults. Like we don't necessarily want to play with dolls. Uh You know, there are activities that I love doing with my kids because I love those activities, but that's not really, that's not incumbent upon me to love playing with dolls or Legos or anything else. And yeah, we might get into it. I mean, think about what we went through during the pandemic where we had to occupy our kids all day long with very little structure. And, you know, it was, it was a, that was nuts what we, <laughs> you know, and, and so I think the, what, what Shonda Rhimes said that I love so much was, you know, I realized I don't, I don't um, necessarily want to play dolls at that moment. I would actually rather write. I would work on, rather work on my show because I like doing my work. Mm-hmm. And I, I relate to that. I sometimes feel like I really love what I'm doing right now, or I feel like I'm doing it for them, right? Uh-huh. I have to, if I don't do it and it doesn't get done, you know, they, they won't have the things they need. So I have to really try to do that. 
but it's okay to have all these feelings. It's okay to not be feeling like you want to do X or Y. It's it's what you decide to do and what you choose to do that matters, not whether you were distracted or whether, you know, if you can put the phone away for a half an hour, yeah, that they love that because they do pick up on the, you know, they pick up on this thing. Yeah. yeah. She, my daughter will say to my to my wife and I all the time, like, you know, can you just put your can you put your phone down, please? But she has her iPad and she's got our example. And, we, you know, but we feel so. OK, forgive yourself for it. But cop to it. Yes, I I was I, I said to her I was making uh, travel reservations and I I I was you know, it was one of those things where you need it to go through so that it can be booked. You can't just keep leaving it on the side. You'll lose the page. Uh-huh. And I said to her, I will take, te- it will take 10 minutes to get this done. And then I will put the phone away for the whole time we're, we're playing. And uh-huh. she wasn't like, Oh my, the best father ever. She was like, she was like, okay, you know, uh-huh. all right. <laughs> but, but, you know, but then I put it down and I was able to play for it for that half hour without worrying about that thing. Yeah. Well, and I think this is such a good topic because like you said, it's okay to have all these different feelings and to not want to, like that does not make you a bad parent. If you are not interested in playing with dolls or playing with Legos or whatever it is. Um, But there are definitely two different options that you can do. You can choose to go play with your child, even though it's not something you want to do, or you can also choose to do what it is that you want to do and play with later. Like both of those are needed. Both of those are good. And it's all about paying attention to that inner compass that we have and not, I should, if it, if you make decisions off of, I should, I should, I should, eventually you're going to have a life where you're doing everything everyone else thinks that you should be doing, or that you think everyone else thinks you should be doing. Yeah. Not actually a life of purpose and what you want to be doing and want to live and want to have relationships as. So very, very good point. Um, Before we end though, I want to ask you what, what can people do right now? First off to get in talk in touch with you, if they are like, Holy cow, I want to know more about yes brands and I want to be able to connect with Hirsch. What do they need to do to do that? Oh, um, well, the easiest way to reach me it's funny that that this is the you is the URL, but it's kind of appropriate. The way that they can reach me is getmessagetherapy.com. Uh-huh. So I so I call what I do sometimes message therapy because it it involves what a lot of therapy is like: listening, being patient, being loving, being respectful and and warm, and being available. And so that's the way I work. So they can find me, they can go to getmessagetherapy.com and they'll find the contact uh, info there. Awesome. Um, and um, and then the shows are are kind of, you know, they can go to yesbrandmethod.com or they can go to truthtastefunny.com and, uh, and find the latest episodes of those shows and always kind of reach me through there. Yeah. And those are great podcasts, everybody. So definitely go look that out and go to the website. I will leave it in the show notes because it is so amazing when we actually start getting out of our own way, out of our own head and start saying it to somebody that's actually listening and going to have a sense of humor about it. It starts getting us out of the <laughs> bottleneck of the business and we're able <laughs> yeah. to start 
thinking of creative solutions. Um, one more question, Hirsch. What can parents start doing right now to lighten their own mood when they are feeling frustrated? What's something that you've done? Okay, what pops into my head is be silly, be be ridiculous, and don't and don't be kind of make a fool of yourself in front of your kids like that. Like that is it. It sounds really easy. Like it's you know, yeah. but I but I don't know that I that I find, like I'll give you an example. So my last night we're going to see my uh, my fifteen year old cheer at the at at uh, at a, a basketball game and i have my eight-year-old and her best friend and my wife and we're in the car and my eight-year-old says daddy be, make us laugh try to make us laugh and you won't be able to make us laugh and that's like when someone comes up to you and says hey be funny it's the hardest thing <laughs> to be funny but but in this instant instance i had to come up with something and i did i came up with something but it may it was ridiculous uh -huh. it was me being silly and foolish and i think if if we need to lighten our own mood whether it's around the kids or around each other just be ridiculous be silly and goofy and not serious yeah in 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 a certain and, and and you know we we don't have to do that in the moment you know, where our boss is like, or our client is, you know, we've evaluated your performance and it's below par and we go, hey! <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not that we're, we're not doing it in that moment, but we're allowing ourselves to just be silly. And that's the best advice that I can, I can give. That's how I've gotten through. That's how I got through the pandemic being silly in on little videos that mostly just me and my family and friends saw, but, you know, it was like that silliness just took the, took the threat out of the, the, the terrible things that we were, we were facing. Yeah. And that's a beautiful recommendation because as we ourselves try to be silly, try to not be so serious about our own troubles, then when we notice our own kids being silly in the moment, we can see that they're using that same coping mechanism. They're not trying to be disrespectful or arrogant. They are just trying to lighten the mood because they feel that intensity. So pay attention to that. And that is a beautiful piece of advice, Hirsch. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you all next time. Thank you, Wanda. It was a pleasure. Thank you again for being a part of our podcast family and for the difference you are making right now in the world and in the walls of your own home. If you're wanting to support parents everywhere, you can do that by leaving a rate and review. This helps so many find connection and answers they are searching for. Also, don't forget to go to WandaHoward.com and get your own free parenting blueprint. I love you all and we will see you next time.